But welcome, everybody. The Lord bless you. Um, I know the Lord has been good to you. Many of you I have phoned and spoken to and know that you're doing well. But um, let's just enjoy the presence of God. Let's worship together with Johan as, as he leads us in praise and worship. Thank you, Johan. And uh, come on, let's worship the Lord together. Turn up the volume. You can stand up here in your own home or you're at your office or wherever you are. Maybe you can walk around and just raise your hands and let's just give God glory and honor. I know 
there's got to be more than the little bit that we tasted and seen. Yeah, you're so good, and I want to know more. I want to see into your mysteries and how your glory. river 
Thank you, Johan. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I know those are the kind of songs that stir Tom's heart as well. <laughs> those are the songs that get me going, man. I tell oh, you, man, it makes me cry over here. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let it rain. That's, that's the, our heart's cry is for God to pour out his rain, you know. And um, all the way through the Old Testament, it was the, the promise of the covenant that Israel had with, with God. And, you know, he, he said to them, basically, if you keep the commandments, it'll always rain, there'll always be rain in season. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, it was over the, over the centuries that went because of their continued disobedience, drought came. But his promise always was, if you call out to me, if you cry out to me, I'll send, send the rain. And of course, you know, for us in the New Testament, we can bring it across to our economies, but more importantly, um, it began to symbolize, you know, the person and work of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I know Tom, you and Susie, and um, of course, Johan, in the great revival at Spirit Word with your dad and um, myself here in our church and, and in England and Armenia experiencing revival. It's always interesting to me that um, the people that criticize revival the most are the people that have never been in it or never experienced it. <laughs> you know, it's always a laugh to me that 
they've got all these little theological platitudes and all these neat little sayings. But yeah. once you've experienced revival and God moving, it's um, nothing else satisfied because it's God at another level. You're yeah. seeing God in action in a way that, you know, normal evangelism doesn't do. And I think it was Arthur Wallace in that great book of his, um, you know, in the day of that power, he said, mm -hmm. we preach, we pray, we evangelize. But in all, our, all of those things that we do as normal, we need to be praying for revival because God can do in five minutes what 50 years of evangelism can't do. Yeah. And um, so, Tom, I don't know what your take is on that. Ah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, dead people evangelizing usually produces dead fruit. And so yeah. uh, it can be very, very sterile. Yeah. And, um, so uh, that that's what we've seen. And, and that's why you need to have a revived people that go out. And so mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it. And, you know, many years ago, Pastor John, um, I had the wonderful opportunity to have dinner with Benny Hinn. Uh, on three occasions. Uh, he had a three-day crusade and he wanted to meet me. And and so a friend of mine made that happen. And so um, while I sat with him, it was right after the one uh, big crusade in Cleveland, uh, we were sitting at dinner and he said this, I'll never forget it. He held up a, a glass and he said, never think of being filled with the spirit as a liquid. Because he says, it's not a good analogy. Yeah. He said, always think in terms of a sailboat. He said, because when the sail is filled, what does the boat do? Moves. And we all said, we, the boat moves. And yeah. he said, yes. He said, every time in the, in the word of God, in the book of Acts, whenever God breathed and the wind came and it filled the people, it says they were filled. The next verses, it tells how they moved. Amen. Amen. That That's good? beautiful. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That really is brilliant. I like it. Um, uh, Arthur Wallace talks about the difference between, you know, just sort of normal evangelism, normal church life when uh, we, we're pressing into God and cooperating with his word, preaching the gospel. He refers to Second Samuel in chapter 5, those verses from 17 to 25. And it was the occasion when um, David had been anointed king over Israel. And it says that when the Philistines heard about it, they came um, against David in full force, uh, camped in the valley of Rephaim. And the first time David inquired of the Lord and he said, Lord, should I go up and attack them? And God said, go and attack them. Uh, give them I will give them into your hand. And the place was called Baal Perizim because God broke out like many waters. Left their idols, David took them, but they came back a second time. David inquired of the Lord. And this time God said, circle around the back, go through the trees. Will you hear the sound of the marching in the top of trees move because then you know that I've gone out before you. And of course, a resounding yeah. victory. And Arthur Wallace says the difference between our normal lives that we're experiencing and revival is the first instance is um, uh, God worked with David. Yeah. The second incident, incident is that David was cooperating with God. Oh, I love it, Pastor. That's good. Yeah. And, and I think those who've experienced revival um, um, will we'll see that it, it's God operating at a higher level, level where it's pervasive, invasive, and a lot of the initiation is God. He's yeah. taking the initiative. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like, like in my own testimony, I was a pastor for almost eight years. 
And I read, you know, about Finney and I read about these different revivalists and, and, and even just uh, smaller revivals, bigger revivals, the great awake, awakenings and, and, but it was all here. And I just, I, I really didn't have uh, a grid of understanding in here. Um, and then in 96, uh, when uh, 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 Rodney Howard Brown's ministry came to Tulsa, where I was living, that's when it was like, wham, I was so impacted by it. And it was like, I this time it wasn't like I was reading about it. This time I was like, I was in the pages of it, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, it's just... Um, it's amazing how when you look through church history, I was I was looking at something here um, when we were talking about talking about revival and stuff like that. And I was blown away how far back the continent of Africa really had revival. Hmm. Uh, in fact, just three years before St. Patrick's revival in what is it uh, for? So Patrick was 431. Um, from the year 420 to 428, there was a North African revival uh, with Augustine. Yeah. I didn't realize that it goes that far back, 1600 wow. years. That's a long, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and church history is full of, um, of examples, isn't it, Tom, of when, I mean, the book of Judges, the seven cycles of revival. Yeah. Whenever, whenever the people of God got into a, a bad situation and called out to God, God would raise up people and phenomenal things would happen. And I, I think a lot of times people misunderstand folks like you, you know, uh, preachers like you, preachers like me that talk about revival as if it's some kind of, um, you know, we're looking for an easy solution. Right. Um, you know, we're looking for a panacea. Um, you know, but, but listen, you know, revival is the solution and it is medicine for a dead church, but, yeah. but they also, um, you know, very often these comments, you know, you need to realize it's Christ in you. And, and look, we, we, we know and understand all of, of that course. theology. We understand yeah. that, but, but it's when God is taking the initiative and he's yeah. doing something far beyond the yeah. minimal efforts that we are putting in it, yeah. it's, um, it's God responding to the cries and the prayers of saints. And, yeah. and it comes in at a level where you are swept up in something that is so far bigger than yourself, so far beyond any effort that you can put in. And yeah. everything you do, or virtually everything you do, has, has, has incredible impact and, and, and brings about incredible fruitfulness that our well, toiling under normal circumstances doesn't do. Absolutely. I, I'll tell you a funny example. Uh, we ministered at a church, uh, I won't say where, but here in the U.S. And in fact, we, we went and we uh, told these people about South Africa and all of you guys, and they went there and connected. But we did not realize that we had ministered in their church and had this mind-blowing revival break open. I mean, we had the mayor of the city get filled with the Holy Ghost. His wife got filled with the spirit. They were struck in the joy of the Lord. They were stuck in a trance. She had been in Wicca. Uh, we had all these young people that came from a long ways away, like, um, you know, like over a hundred K away. All of these youth and young adults were coming to the meetings 
and they were getting stuck to the floor and the Holy Spirit, they were weeping and laughing and, and they had never seen that ever in the church. So I, I even asked that, you know, and, and people were getting healed in the midst of it without having a healing meeting. Yeah. But when we left, they undid everything. They said, we don't agree with Tom and Susie on this. We don't agree with this. We don't agree with this. It's all done in Christ. And I said to this pastor, I said, we understand everything is available in Christ. We understand. It's not that we are not New Testament believers, mm. uh, but at the same time, we also know there is the whatever lack of better term of visitation of the spirit, so to speak, where man has to yield to what God is doing instead of man initiating it. Like you said, here, God's initiating it and man's just trying to yield to it, you know, and and for some, it's like, they cannot get that through. That's like, no, if I don't see it in here, it's not in here. Well, he even told us afterwards, he said, you know, the word revival is not in the Bible. And I told him, I said, yeah, you know, the word Bible is not in the Bible too. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. said, so don't call it the Bible. I said, oh, yeah. you got a worship team. Oh, there's no such thing as worship team in the Bible either. That's right. Get rid of your youth ministry. Get rid of your children's ministry. Get, and and it was like, whoa. I said, there's no such thing as pulpit. And, you know, where do you stop? You know, so. Um, exactly. And I, I think, you know, um, a lot of people and, and it's good preaching and it's sound doctrine that that in Christ we have it. We have it. We we. You know, but, and again, looking for the correct terminology, it's potential. Potentially we have, but experientially, experientially, we're not experiencing the fullness. Right. And, and so, you know, when God comes in revival, you are experiencing things. You're experiencing God. He wants to be experienced. Yeah. And uh, he wants to to encounter his people. And, and so, so when he comes in revival, um, you are having meetings with God, encounters with God, face-to-faces with God. And there's all kinds of manifestations and power. And um, uh, when there's that There's no happens, logic to it, right? There's, there's like it, no logic. Like when Susie and I first got married, Pastor John, and, and she's on here as well. And so she could tell you, we went to Tampa. We went to go see Rodney Hart Brown. And they were having a, like a week-long um, camp meeting, I think it was. And, and so we went for the week. That first service, Rodney just walked around, just didn't do anything, just stood there and looked at us. And, and it was like a bomb hit the building. And I am laughing uncontrollably. And I look over <clears throat> and Susie is bawling her eyes out crying. Yeah. So there was no logic. It wasn't like he preached a message on it. It was just initiated by the Holy Spirit. Spontaneous combustion. Yeah. And, and isn't it amazing, Tom? You know, you've traveled around the world in places where, where revivals have happened. There's almost a residue of revival that you can still sense and still feel. I was in a small town in Ireland, and I felt to preach on, um, on revival. It's a town called Coleraine. Oh, I'm yeah. in Northern Ireland. And um, I really felt to preach on revival and I, I was sharing and just encouraging people to pray and believe. And then a brother came to me at the end of the service and he said, um, you preaching. Did you know it's only a stone throw from here where revival broke out in Coleraine in a school? No. Yeah. 
and and obviously in those days the the uh, the boys and girls were in separate classes, and so more or less the ground floor of the building I think was the girls, and the 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 top floor was the boys, and and uh, um, a group of people had been praying, and um, just one day um, in in class this boy burst into tears, crying uncontrollably. I've got the story 70% accurate. I just can't remember all the details. Um, Arthur Wallace mentions, and it's also in his book, The Day of That Power. And um, he, he was excused and, and, and basically um, left school, going home, just began to weep um, uncontrollably before the Lord and, and also for, for the souls of his schoolmates. And, um, um, and, and when he got back to school the next day, the power of God hit the top floor where the boys were or the, the section where the boys were. But at the same time, the spirit of God began to fall, fall on the girls in the other classes, you know, below. And, and, and the spirit of God broke out in Coleraine in the high school with powerful manifestations and the whole town was changed. Now that exceeds normal evangelism, normal preaching. And Tom, you know, and Susie knows, and I know that um, in revival, that experience of Christ in you, yeah becomes yeah. experientially true. Yeah. Where you are so filled with him and, and so yeah. aware of his presence to operate, to walk in the fruit of the spirit is easy. And to yeah. operate in the gifts of the spirit is phenomenally easy because yeah. you are you are literally baptized and immersed in his presence. Yeah. Amen. I completely agree. And it's like uh it's it's like you're being plugged in here in America. Uh, we we don't use the same current that you use in South Africa and yeah. Europe. Europe and South Africa, you use two twenty. Right. We use one ten. <laughs> so the first time we came to South Africa, we had to find converters yeah. that would downgrade it so that our cell phones would not explode because it was too much power. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's almost like that with revival is that yeah. it's almost like the Holy Spirit has to downgrade to what you can handle. Yeah. And it's Beautiful. so overwhelming. It's, it's, um, it's full. It sounds absolutely uh, foolish. Yeah. What is pre, it can be, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be the most accurate worship music, the most accurate uh, doctrine. And it's just like, God has kissed it and it's just like grace and mercy cover it all. And absolutely like, like now this is a little before my time, uh, but I believe it was in the seventies was with Mel Tari and uh, uh, what was it called? A mighty wind, like a mighty wind and gentle breeze of Jesus in Indonesia, in Indonesia, where the people literally were able to walk on water between yeah. the islands. Right. Yeah. 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 Phenomenal revival. I mean, they experienced manna. They experienced um, a cloud, a pillar of fire leading them at night, you know, sort of a lamp shining. I listened to Maltari. I think it was the first revival book that I read when I was a teenager and absolutely messed me up. <laughs> it just messed wow. Me up. Yeah, oh, and I was finished God. from there on. I, all I wanted um, and still do is, uh, is revival and to see God move in revival. And again, I want to, I want to stress it for for those that are listening, it's not an abdication of, you know, Christ in you and, and realizing our identity and our sonship and, and all of that. That's a given. That's taken for granted. I think Tom's and my doctrine is pretty accurate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that experience of, of knowing God in a way that you've never, it's, it's, it's beyond mental ascent. It's an experience. Yeah. It's an encounter. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I remember, I'll give you a great example. I had uh, back in 96, I had a mind blowing revival breakout in uh, wow. Central California. And I, at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. So it was kind of like wiring a house with the electricity on, you know, I'm like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing here, but I don't know exactly. And, and uh, so I was kind of trying to guide this revival. And, and so people just begin to hear about it. And so people begin to come out to this town called San Luis Obispo. And um, so I'll never forget it. In this meeting, some visitors came and this, this lady came and uh, she was there and she and her husband were having, if I remember right, they were physically ill and they had marriage trouble. Well, I didn't talk about that that night. I just talked about revival in the presence of God. And she was so hit with the presence of God. I called her up and I laid hands on her. I didn't feel anything, but she began to laugh uncontrollably. And she got stuck in a trance that she could not move yeah. from the waist up. Now, the waist down, she, uh, she could not move. The waist up, she could move and she could function and... And she would just, as soon as she would try to move her legs, just tears would just run down her face. And it was like God stuck her there. And her husband just looked at his wife and just sobbed. And she was healed. The marriage was healed. And I never even preached on it, never laid hands on him for it, nothing. Yeah. And they still talk about that meeting to this day. Wow. And so, yeah. but It's uh, God taking the initiative, isn't it, Tom? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know that um, I, I've shared the story with you and, and, and maybe for those who have not heard it before, um, I was invited to the nation of Armenia. Um, in 1993, I, I was, the Lord led me on an extended period of fasting and prayer and spoke to me about being part of the revival in the United Kingdom. And I'd not even heard of that. And long story short, went over, began to hear uh, of, you know, the, the impact that uh, Toronto um, Airport Christian Fellowship was having and, and the, the move of the spirit and the impact was having in England. And of course, that made me hungry. I went over, I was powerfully touched, powerful encounter with the Lord in Toronto and uh, came back and um, was ministering in England and powerful meeting. Um, a brethren church invited me to preach. And the, you know, they don't even believe in the no. The Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but the power of God hit that church. It's a full-on charismatic church now. Yeah. And um, um, the power of God hit the church and, and just transformed the place. Um, and there was a lady there that said, you know, what I've seen here um, is needed in Armenia. So cutting out a lot of details, the following year I was in Armenia, ministered there. They, they didn't want to even know about the Holy Spirit because of the abuses of the state church, which is a Pentecostal church, but, but you know, syncretized with, with you know, many uh, bad practices. And I went back um, in, uh, that was in 1994, uh, I think it was um, 97, I was back there. And then 2001, when the Pope was visiting and they were celebrating um, 1700 years of Christianity. Now in 94, 94, when I was there, yeah, I think it was 94, 95, um, they took me to a, a place, a church called the, the Church of St. Gregory. And it's basically at the foot of Mount Ararat. Oh, where St. Gregory had been uh, preaching in Armenia, 
with great impact. And Armenia was a pagan nation. Now, interesting that Thaddeus, the disciple Thaddeus and Bartholomew had preached some years, some decades previous, um, quite a few decades previous in Armenia. And uh, St. Gregory came in and started preaching and, and the whole nation was turned around. But the pagan priest convinced the king and uh, they threw him into this pit and it just a cylindrical hole in the ground, several stories deep. Uh, he had actually ordered them to be executed, but they threw him into the pit and covered the top. And he was in there about 13 or 14 years in absolute pitch darkness. But an old lady had decided to keep him alive and feed him and was throwing food. She scratched a little hole in the cover and was throwing bread and water in. And uh, in that time, the king lost his sanity, just like Nebuchadnezzar, like a beast of the field. And uh, the king's daughter was heard to be saying, if only uh, Gregory was alive, he would pray for my brother and he'd be restored. And when they saw that she was serious, they said, actually, he's not dead. And she gave an oath that he would not be harmed. They brought him out. And uh, you can find all of this on, on the internet. They brought him out, took him to the king, and the king was restored to sanity and, um, and uh, converted to Christ. And it became the first Christian nation. Even their alphabet was given by revelation of God. Um, they write out the alphabet in a block, and whichever way you go on the alphabet, the, the, the alphabetic letters spells the name of God. Oh, and wow. um, beautiful churches going back to the 300s, 315, 325, the Church of the Lords, beautiful, beautiful churches, most of them derelict, some of them in use, but an absolute revival um, that took place kind of like um, um, uh, d -d 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 Ireland. We just mentioned him now. Um, anyway, oh, St. Patrick. St. Patrick. Um, just great, powerful revival that took place. And when I was in that pit, in 19, I think it was 1994, um, they switched off the camera lights. It was inky black. I, when I put my hand in my face, front of my face, I couldn't see it. They had a, a Christian lady there, an opera singer. She sang a Christian opera and she started to sing this hymn. And I just went with my back against the dirty wall of the cave and sank down onto my haunches. And I was so overwhelmed with the song. It was hauntingly beautiful. But um, it was like, um, years of prayers that had saturated the stones um, just came oozing out. There's no way to explain spiritual language, you, you know, but yeah. it was like it oozed out and was circling me and it surrounded me. Wow. And I could hear the prayers of St. Patrick for the salvation of the nation of Armenia. I could hear him crying out to God for revival. And from that moment, I was convinced that revival was coming to Armenia. I was so overwhelmed. And I mean, I think I've shared that story with you. But when we yeah. got out of the pit, I kept saying to the pastor, and he watches a lot of our live streams, we're in contact again and talking about going to Armenia again. And um, we, we got out of the pit and I set, kept saying to him, Pastor Ashot, I'm telling you, I heard Patrick's prayers. I mean, uh, Gregory's prayers, revival is coming to Armenia. And in 2001, he assembled all the top leaders, all the top intercessors, all the top prophetic people. We met um, in, in a town at a, on a lake about two hours from Yerevan. And um, we met in this tiny little town. And on the second morning, the Holy Spirit fell uh, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, right into the night, all day Thursday, all day Friday. I could hardly preach, but the power of God was hitting those pastors, those intercessors, the prophetic people and the prophetic word that initiated all was that 
um, God would fill this building and then it would flow out to Armenia and then across even um, into, they still refer to Iran as Persia, Iran and Iraq. And that was the prophetic word. And the power of God hit that building and went right through Armenia. And um, people, pastors in Iran and Iraq got the, um, the VHS videos where they recorded these meetings. And I was already back here and 30 pastors were at Tehran Airport phoned me and they said, we're standing at the airport. We saw the videos. We have to have you in Iran. We'll put the money into your account now, but I couldn't leave my church. Um, people were phoning from Armenia to America, um, Armenian communities, just speaking on the phone and the power of God was falling on the other <laughs> side and, and just transformed that entire nation, transformed. I remember Pastor Ashot sending me a fax and saying, please, you have to come. We're drowning in the power and we don't know how to handle it. National revival impacted the government um, in that um, small town of Seven. It's on, on a lake, the town of Seven. The, the magistrates court, the police, and even the Armenian mafia officers were on different um, blocks, you know, um, opposite the church. And the Armenian maf mafia, most of them got saved and ended up in that church. It's Just tremendous revival. You and know, that, it, it's funny with that, that presence, you know, it's, people don't realize that um, it, it, it's, a, it's a tangible presence yeah. that actually can be transferred yeah. uh to somebody else you know i i remember in the early days now this is about uh 95 the very beginning of pensacola so they back then it was all vhs and uh so they would people would buy the 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 vhs tapes and give them away yeah. well there was a girl that was going to a university in in pensacola and someone invited her one night to the revival so she went to the revival and uh, just totally changed her life. Well, here she was a Southern Baptist, cessationalist, didn't believe in any of this stuff. And God just smacked her. And uh, she was so transformed. Um, and she talked to her parents and she couldn't talk in English. She would talk in tongues. And oh, wow. her parents thought she had a demon. And, <laughs> and uh, so she said, mom and dad, let me just send you where I've been going. And it happened to be in the early days when they started video recording the baptisms. Because at the beginning, they didn't record those. They became the wildest services of all. And uh, so she got this video of the whole service, including the baptism, and just sent it to her father in a VHS. So he went to the post, uh, you know, to, to the, uh, his mailbox. And so when he opened the mailbox, there was a package and mail. He grabbed the mail. He went inside. He, this is his testimony. He is a Southern Baptist pastor. He opened it. When he opened it, the presence of God hit him wow. and he was slain in the spirit on his kitchen floor. <laughs> and now this is a man who doesn't believe in it, nothing. And uh, we, we heard of many, many, many similar stories. Uh, I'll tell another one since I'm talking about Pensacola. Um, Susie and I heard this story um, when we went there. It was at the very end of the revival. This is about 2005. And it had all completely ended. Kilpatrick left, Steve Hill left. Uh, back that month, I think Lindell Cooley just left. Yeah. 
but we went and we were so touched. I had this vision of this uh, giant uh, cascading, um, uh, what do you call it, waterfall. It makes me yeah. want to cry. And it came from the top of the building. And I told Susie what I saw. I said, I'm going to go stand underneath it. I don't care what anyone thinks. <laughs> and I walked right up. It was literally right in front of the, the stage. And it was like, I could see it, literally see it with my natural eye yeah. coming right on top of me. And it was so much of the power of God. It was crazy. Well, we left. When we left, um, someone told us a story of a taxi driver who was totally changed. His whole life was changed there. And uh, he hated to miss the revival meetings. Well, one night he had to go to the airport to pick up these two girls that were there uh, who wanted to party. And they were very wealthy. And they said, take us to the wildest party in all of Pensacola. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they said, we'll pay you for it. And so he said, okay. And so he drives up to the church with these two girls who are very poorly dressed. And the girls said, church? They're like, no, no, no. We said a party, not a funeral. And wow. he said, I'll tell you what. If you go in there for 20 minutes, I will set my watch. If you just sit in there for 20 minutes and you come out, I will take you free anywhere you want to go all weekend. I will not charge you anywhere you want to go. I will be only your taxi driver. Wow. And they said 20 minutes. He said 20 minutes. And so he goes, they went in. I watched my watch. He said 20 minutes turned into 40. 40 turned into an hour. An hour turned into two hours. <laughs> and he went in and there the girls were in the altar, just makeup and tears everywhere. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Just and you know, it's beyond, it's beyond anything that we can do or accomplish. And, and, uh, and um, you know, it's such a good analogy that Arthur Wallace gave. It's now we working with God, we cooperating oh, with God. Love it. Love yeah, it. Tom, you know, um, you've, you've had a lot of experience of revivals. You've studied a lot. And I know it's a, a, some, a subject close to your heart. Would you say, would you say that the number one prerequisite for revival is an absolute hunger and a desperation for more of God himself? Yeah, I would say like 1A, 1B. I would yeah. say 1A is an absolute hunger. 1B is a person has to respond to it. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and then probably a 1C would be learn to yield to it. Amen. Because we have seen people go to some of these places completely unscathed. So not everybody that goes to these revivals, though God is in manifestation, um, received it. I, I'll tell you this. We went and we ministered in a place called uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And it was just a typical traditional word of faith church. And we went there and um, we ministered. And God moved. It was great. At the end of the service, the pastor said to me, uh, we had thought about going to Pensacola. Now for them, it would be like a four hour drive. Yeah. And so I, I said, why don't you go? You live so close. I said, it's the yeah. biggest American revival in 250 years. Wow. And they said, uh, well, a traveling minister came and said he had gone and he sensed as much God moving here in our church as there. Oh, wow. And he said, well, I said, not to be rude, but I said, I'm not going to lie to you. 
I said, God, because because they said God is everywhere. And I said, true, God is omnipresent, but he's not in manifestation everywhere. Exactly. He's in manifestation there. Mm. He is omnipresent here, but he is not in manifestation here. Exactly. And that's kind of the dividing line that God is. Yes, God is everywhere. Yes. You know, I make my bed in the lowest sea. You know, you are there. Yes. But he's not a manifestation everywhere. And that's why people need to go where the fire is uh, because, you know, one of our frustrations, both Susie and I, is that people go and they get connected to dead churches and then they wonder why they become dead yeah. and they lose the fire. And they're like, oh, I go there for business and I all my business associates and friends and they have a big choir and, you know, whatever. And, and yeah, but... That's not the question. The question is, is, is God in manifestation? You Absolutely. Know I mean? Absolutely. I mean, God was present in Egypt, in Moab, and in Edom when the <laughs> Israelites were walking around, but he was manifestly present over them. Like that's where the fire and the, and the cloud was. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. I, so, I no, you, you're 100% right. Now, Tom, just um, we have a few minutes left. With, with the COVID-19, the lockdown and, and things, from your perspective in America, has it? Um, do you think that um, it has, you know, maybe it, it came so quickly yeah. and, and, and shut down countries and shut down economies? Yeah. You know, my feeling is just as easily can worldwide revival come and, yeah. and, and literally overnight transform nations, yeah. uh, bring in a harvest, um, yeah. just a sense of people losing what they put their, their, their faith in and their security in, was there a sense of shaking? Do you sense that, um, you know, it contributed maybe towards people just reaching out to the Lord more and um, sensing maybe that the, that, that the crying out to God in a, in a time of def- desperation would lead to something like, that we would term revival? Now, here in the U.S., I, I mean, I can give you a... Um, um, a temperature of the U.S. I saw a lot more in uh, in 2001 with 9/11. Yeah. Um, we saw people just showing up at churches who didn't even go to church to pray. Um, we did not see that here with this, um, but I I I do know that you know we can see something like that where it just really catches and goes. Yeah goes viral um have you ever seen pastor have you ever seen the documentary it's a two-part now called uh, sheep and wolves clothing no i haven't seen it i'll look out for it yeah sheep and wolves clothing is about the revival in iran wow and it's a lot of it is is done very carefully and covertly and youtube keeps trying to get rid of it because they it's against their you know political agenda but uh, so people keep uploading it. It's called Sheep and Wolves Clothing. And it, it's got a lot of subtitles because it's Iranian believers and stuff. And uh, the one thing that they say is, uh, do not believe the media. They said of that Islam is so powerful and so big. They said all of the mosques in Iran are almost empty. Wow. And they said the biggest revival our country has ever seen is right now. Yeah. And uh, so it's sweeping Iran. And the more they try to 
put, you know, uh, what do you call oppress it? it. Uh, oppress it, the yeah. more it just, it, it like inflames it. Amen. And, uh, Amen. One, but that's uh, been throughout history, hasn't it, Tom? I mean, the early, um, I don't know if it was um, Irenaeus or one of those guys that said, you know, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You can't kill it. No. And, and, no, it, and the more you try to stop revival and oppress revival, you know, it's, it's um, you know, becomes counterproductive. The yeah. flames just flare up. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see and, and uh, how, you know, the revival is so real there in, like in Iran. So if you watch the documentary about what God's doing there in the Islamic world, um, there, there's an interview at the one point where you'll see uh, a couple who fled to Canada and they got to Canada and they were in Canada, Pastor John, for nine months. Wow. Now, what they do, what the, the Islamic community does when they find out someone's a Christian, they kill the husband in front of the whole family, they rape the women, and then they one by one kill them in front of the children. And so it's very, very wicked. Wow. And so here this family gets to Canada. They are safe. Nine months later, one day, uh, the wife comes to the husband and says, let's go back to Iran to the revival he says you could be you know you could be raped we could all be killed she said the apathy that is in the air here is not worth living i would rather die there in the wow. fire than here wow. live in the apathy wow yeah. wow how it, awesome yeah. is that oh man so it just goes to show that this is a global thing that God is yeah. doing and yeah. uh, initiating. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but we, you know, like whether South Africa or the U.S. and stuff, I mean, we have our, our work cut out for us. And, yeah. and that's where we need the body to come together. And, you know, when we don't have to do this, I encourage people all the time, wherever we administered in South Africa, Susie and I would encourage people don't just watch a channel. Don't just watch something online, but yeah. go get what you need to get in that presence, you yeah. know, yeah. because you and I both know, Pastor John, that when God is moving and speaking and convicting, yeah, it's easy to just say, oh, I've got to go get, get a tea. <laughs> yeah. But if you're in the meeting, it's like God just corners you and yeah. deals with issues so there's there's no substitute for the live meeting that corporate anointing you yeah. know there's no substitute for it i saw a funny little cartoon about somebody who um, had died and they arrived at the pearly gates and <laughs> saint peter was standing there and he said oh you used to watch on live stream he said the live stream viewing room is there you can watch what's going on <laughs> you can watch what's going on and you're from there you know, it was just very funny but, but um, no, we need to be in that corporate presence. There's no substitute for church. We've got to be there. We've got to be into the pres in the presence of God. So, um, Tom, which revival, in your opinion, as we kind of wrap this up, which revival, in your opinion, was the most um, invasive and pervasive and transforming of society of all the revivals that you're aware of? Um. I mean, obviously, if you go back to Martin Luther's, it really impacted the entire world. Well, but yeah. I, I would probably say, you know, 
more so than anything, probably either um, the Welsh Revival or Azusa yeah. Street, probably. Yeah. Um, just because of the, the global impact of both of them. I mean, the Welsh Revival, though it was short, it was only 13 months, but it was so powerful. They call it the greatest revival since the Book of Acts. Wow. Uh, that's what it's been deemed. I don't know that it is, but from what I, we have seen, I mean, the impact was so incredible all over the UK, all over Europe. And it just got people to pray. It got people to worship. It got people back to church mm. uh, who just never wanted to go back to church again and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. We have a friend who is, who is a part of, of the Smithton revival. Yeah. And uh, like Alfonso, one of the pastors yeah. that was with Alfonso. Yeah, it wasn't Alfonso, it was one of the others. And he shared with Susie and I that he went to minister in, um, in Wales. And he said, uh, I was there and he said, we got done with the last meeting. And he said, when we got done with the last meeting, it was late. Cause he said, we're going to pray for everybody tonight. And he said, the place was packed. Well, unbeknownst to him, uh, back about 20, 25 years beforehand, a pastor of a church got so hurt and so burnt out he left the church and said, I'll never go back. And he literally became an alcoholic and he was in the bar. And he said, this will be my church from now on. And he just would get drunk every day. Well, he said, he said, one day I looked out the door because the door of the bar, you could see the, the church. He said, when the church is open later than the bar, then I'll start going to the church. And God heard wow. that prayer, right? Wow. And uh, so fast forward 25 years and our friend goes there and this meeting went till 2.30 in the morning. And he said, I was stumbling out of the bar with a brew in his hand and drunk out of his head. And he said, I look up and all these people are crying and laughing and walking out of the church and, and clapping into the heavens and stuff. And he said, I looked at it and God reminded me. Wow. You said, if the church was open later than wow. the bar, you'll go back to the church. Wow. And he went into the church, put the, the glass down and said, I'll never touch another glass. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Don't you just love it when God is working like that? I mean, oh, that, man. that's just phenomenal. That's phenomenal. You know when God is I'll, doing things. I'll tell you something. A lot of people don't realize with revivals, you know, okay, so. So like the Welsh revival, only 13 months. Yeah. But if you go back historically, here's the weird thing, Pastor John, the average revival in the world is six to nine months. Wow. That's the average. Wow. So they kind of burn out before they get to that three-year mark. So for Azusa Street to have three meetings a day for three and a half years, that's pretty long. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's exceptional. Yeah, same. Like Pensacola was like seven and a half years. That's like unheard of. That's phenomenal. But but it's it's societal change and transformational change. Yeah. That and I think that's why the Welsh revival and also the Hebridean revival was because oh. of the transformation to actual society, to the people, to the town, to the moral values. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why, you know, they come up with all these things about awakening and 
revival, the difference between the two. But yeah. just the absolute impact on society where morals change, values yeah. change, yeah. you know. And, and they say that, um, you, know, the, um, um, you know, the British society was changed completely. The Victorian era came about with the strict rules was because of, because of previous revivals that just changed the morality of the nation. And um, they say if it wasn't for um, Wilberforce and the Wesley brothers, England would have gone the same path as France in the revolution. And, and you know, the later preaching of Charles Spurgeon and those, but it kept it, um, um, the whole, the whole um, country from going into revolution. And that's what we're looking for, isn't it, Tom? That's Amen. what we want to see. Amen. And you look at, you know, you look at like the Queen, yeah. Uh, we minister up uh, way in the northern part of England in a city yeah. called Ashington. Yeah. And the pastor there told us about uh, the queen regularly has weekly revival meetings in, in uh, uh, the palace. Wow. And she, they, they cry out for revival in her country. And before she dies, she wants to see revival again. Wow. <laughs> wow. How awesome is that? Yeah. Uh, wow. Did you see that? Did you see that video clip um, about the fact that um, from from the Hebridean revival, you know that that the son of one of the uh, people that were involved, his name was Donald. And they had a family Bible. Did you see that clip? No, but I knew that Donald Trump is the great grandson of the two women. Yeah, the one that's of, right. Yeah, the great yeah. grandson. Yeah. The two praying ladies that brought about the Bible. He didn't even know it was a big deal. No. I mean, I mean, until Paula White brought it out, he didn't even know it was a big deal. Wow. Well, we, we trust God that those connections are divine connections. And that family Bible that was their Bible, you know, those two ladies, um, Peggy Smith and um, was it um, um, Charmaine Smith or Christine Smith? I, I just two, 84 and 82. Yeah. 84 and 82, one blind, one confined to a wheelchair in permanent lockdown, and they pray in revival into the Hebridean Islands. So we have no excuse. Amen. And so help me geographically. The Hebridean Islands, isn't that to the northeast of Scotland? Yeah. Way well, get up. this. Well, check this out. So in the year, oh Lord, help me now. I think it's the year 400, yeah. revival came to the Vikings up in yeah. Norway and Sweden. Wow. So revival broke out there with a Catholic uh, monk. And so the Catholic monk brought salvation to those isles, uh, excuse me, to those countries. And the Vikings were, you know, just, they were barbaric. Yeah. And, but they loved to go into England, or excuse me, to the UK. And they would, you know, rape and steal and carry on and stuff. But then when revival hit them, then they wanted to bring revival over to those countries they had been so wicked to. And it makes you wonder if they had stopped there in like the Hebride Islands and, and, and Ireland and Scotland. And oh, man, it's too funny how connected they all are. Oh, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And, yeah. uh, you know, the land of hope and glory, England, you know, with all the revivals and uh, powerful. But um, Tom, um, It'd be good for, for us, I think, if you would just pray for us. Yes. And then um, we're going to ask Johan just to come and uh, just lead us in a bit of worship as we come to a close. And I'm going to give a couple of announcements. And, and then you can just pronounce blessing over the people at the end of the worship. Yeah. But let's pray for revival. Would you lead it? 
I would love to. I would yeah. love to. Lord, in the name of Jesus, yeah. uh, for every person from every part of the world that is world. watching this, people yeah. that are watching this on Facebook, yeah. uh, people that are watching this in the UK and other parts of Europe, and yeah. people that are watching it all over Africa, North Amen. America, Amen. South America. Uh, Lord, we just decree and, and prophesy revival in the land. Yeah. And Lord, that you would bring a remnant of people together, that you would bring that remnant from the north, yes. the south, the east, and the west, and that they would connect together Amen. for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would touch the hardest of hearts. Yes, Lord. And uh, let it just be like a catalyst, yeah. uh, like a, a, just like a wave of fire to go right from one end of the country, from the eastern end to the west, from the yeah. north all the way to the south and may it just literally engulf with the love of god in every Amen. single nation tribe and tongue lord we give you thanks right now for revivals amongst young people revivals amongst the broken the suicidal uh, the addicts and and the the people that are the homeless the the, the rich and the poor alike lord every single part of society in Jesus name, Jesus name. Amen. 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 Why don't you, as you're watching, as your heart leads us in a worship song now, why don't we just reach out our hands to the Lord? I tell you, I'm just goosebumps all over just talking about revival. It's just stirred a fresh hunger in me. Um, Johan, just let's just worship the Lord one song. And then I'm going to ask Tom back just to speak specific blessing over people. I was thinking which song to do and I was just wow well while you guys were speaking I was laughing and crying and just this hunger for 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 the Holy Spirit to move and Joshua Joshua 3 verse 5 it says sanctify consecrate yourselves because tomorrow I will do a new thing and so with that prayer father we just thought people will be hungry for your spirit yes Lord we need revival yeah. Oh, Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, we need
Awesome. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Yeah. We welcome the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just ask in a moment, I just want to give some quick announcement. And this, this is, you know, relative to you all, I guess, but to um, ACF folks in particular, on Friday night, we're having again our online prayer meeting. People from all over the world joined us. So from, you know, Central Africa time or, or South African Standard Time, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can go onto our website. You can go on and click onto the online prayer meeting. You will be then connected on via WhatsApp. It will be a closed group for an hour. We will be posting worship songs that we'll worship to. And then every five minutes, a different prayer request. So we can all pray together. And, um, and, and then also towards the end, you'll be able to send in your prayer request. So we're going to pray for you for healing, for uh, financial blessing, and, and whatever it is that you need. So go onto our website and have a look. Um, I mean, onto our Facebook site and see. You'll see the link that's there. JD will be posting it. Sunday morning, 9 a.m., we'll be joining Pastor Herod Krobler with Christ Life Ministries, and we'll be streaming directly on. We're celebrating Pentecost. Woo! Great revival that started there. And uh, so that's going to be a great service. Sunday morning, 9 a.m., Johan will be leading worship for us again. And uh, while that's happening, Stacy will be doing online children's church. Um, so you need to just watch out for that. That will also be um, on, on the ministry page, Facebook ministry page um, um, there. And then the other thing that we're doing, our government has allowed us to get back the following week, Sunday, um, whatever it is, the 7th of June or whatever it is. And um, only 50 people. But what we're going to be doing is from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m., 
we'll, be, we'll do one service. And then from five past 10 to five past 11, we'll do a second service. Once again, um, in order to turn, uh, uh, not turn people away, we need you to go on. Um, it will be coming up soon on our Facebook profile. And then you can click and respond. Service one, nine to 10, service two, 10 to 11. And you can click on um, which one you would like to attend because we'll have camera crew and worship team there. We can only uh, allow 40 of you to come. So you'll either choose service one, 9 a.m. to 10 or service two, 10 until 11. So that will be from the 7th of July. So we're going to be doing that then. But we are trusting that when we get together, man, we know that he will be there. The Lord Jesus will be with us, whether two or three um, he will be in the midst of us. And we're trusting for great, great, great things. So what I want to do, all of those announcements will, there, will be there. We'll repeat it on Friday, we'll repeat it on Sunday, following Wednesday. But what I would like to do is to ask Tom just to speak and pronounce blessing over you. Some of you have been adversely affected by the lockdown, by the virus. Some have lost jobs. Um, some of you, your companies are, are under severe pressure. And uh, some of you have possibly lost family members due to sickness, um, you know, the, the virus, um, whatever it is. Maybe you haven't been touched or affected by the virus at all, but uh, you need a fresh touch from God. You need healing in your body. Um, maybe you still need the Lord to do something for you in your finances, family members saved or something like that. You are reaching out to God. You have been praying and trusting the Lord. And I'm going to ask you whatever it is, your device or um, the PC, or your smart TV, I want you to reach out your hand there, and I'm going to ask Tom to pray. Some of you, I know I've got friends down, say, for example, in Port Alfred, and, and he's a professional hunter, and uh, he hasn't been able to have clients come and do shooting, and so for months now, he hasn't added income. And so this, there are people you there that are out there, and we trust God. I believe what President Trump said, Tom and uh, Vice President uh, Mike Pence, right at the beginning of the lockdown, they both stood up and said, they took turns to speak, first President Trump, and he said, I believe coming out of this, we're going to go into a worldwide economic boom. And yeah, when, he I said it, I, when he said it, I took it as a word from God. I did too, so, yeah, that was so, awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So people who've lost companies, you, you have an entrepreneurial spirit on you. That's why you had the company. And I believe that God will give you fresh ideas and you'll be able to reshape and relaunch um, your, your business more effective than ever before. And the period of loss, God is able to make up and restore the years or the months that the virus has eaten. Amen. Amen. I agree, brother. Yeah. I agree. You want me to pray for him now? Just speak and bless and pray. Yes, yes. We, we pray for you now in the name of Jesus. We just speak yeah. healing to your body. Yeah. Uh, right now, somebody, you're watching this and your kidneys have been bothering you and the Holy Spirit's already healing you right now. Amen. Uh, somebody else, you have a sprained foot and the Lord is healing that sprained foot Amen. in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah. Others of you that have uh, lost a lot of uh, financial income, I just know the Lord is going to make it up to you. And I just hear the Lord say, the money will come. The yes. money will come. It will come in by the ravens, but yes. the money will come. And, uh, and so right now, the Lord, I pray right now for every one of them, for divine healing in their bodies, uh, as well as restoration in their finances. God, make it up to them. Yes. 
for the last three months. Yes. Make it up to them. Every single one of them is more blessed than they went in uh, yeah. to the whole pandemic time. Lord, we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now there's somebody else. I, I just have a word for somebody else that you had a repeating dream. Uh, something of these trees. I see all these different trees. And uh, the Lord is speaking to you about that. And he's speaking to you about a people group that you're going to have an influence with. And uh, if that's you on any of these words from the Lord, write us, let us yeah. know. Right, Pastor? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it would be good. Yeah, mail us, text us, uh, share it on, on Facebook and uh, that we can be encouraged and we can give glory to God. And um, testimonies, testifying as a way of reinforcing the miracle, the healing, uh, yeah. whatever it is. So, yeah, I concur with Tom. You know, one of the things that the enemy is always trying to do is steal vision and uh, steal hope. But, you know, God spoke things into your life and nothing has changed concerning that because of this pandemic. Amen. You know, God can do it and, and bring it to pass and accomplish it. And surely he will do it in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Amen. So, Thank Tom, you for having us, Pastor. So oh, much. We were so longing to see your face and hear you again, and <laughs> and uh, Susie as well. Really yeah. appreciate it. Bev sends her love. The wow. the whole of ACF, our church, really loves you guys. Yeah, uh, we really you. love you guys. Thank you yeah. again, very much. You're honorary members here. Uh, <laughs> you are <welcome> you. Tom. <laughs> yeah. Love you. Johan, thank you so much. I know you're in the background. Love to Taryn. Appreciate you coming on a leading worship for us. And uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you on um, uh, Sunday morning again for our, you know, possibly our last live stream. And then you're going to be with us live. Love you. Love you, Tom. Love you, Pastor. Appreciate you so much.